the fabric of your marketing tech stack, um, how you look at analytics, measurements, a true consumer view. I think that's where the evolution is for me, where a lot of companies, leaders, whatever, need to do a reevaluation of what that marketing tech stack looks like. Because what it looks like today in pretty much 99% of the companies are, you know, this kind of like desktop 1.0 world. And that's not going to work. Why do some companies succeed in driving growth while others fail? How do some individuals advance in their careers to lead teams that change industries? In the age of mobile, these are the stories of the companies shaping the way we interact with our world and the people who drive their growth. I'm Mada, and I'm the host for How I Grew This. Hi, everyone. We are so happy to have our next guest, Dan Bishop, who is currently the Senior Vice President of Global Mobile and Digital Marketing at City. Before that, Dan worked at Experian, leading the digital marketing and mobile transformation, and he was selected as one of the 2015 iMedia Top 25 Marketing Innovators. I mean, what a journey so far. Uh, welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, Mata. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be on. Since I started the podcast, which was about three months ago, and today, the world is like not the same. How are you holding up? How has your work changed? How city taking, how city making changes during this pretty crazy times? I'm quite well, thank God, and so is my family. Thanks for asking. It's definitely a different time. It's uh, an eye-opening time. It's a challenging time, but it's also a time for opportunity, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, and change in a lot of different ways. So I'm doing well. I have to say, and I know you lived in this city, but I live in New York City. And I'm grateful to be here. If anybody ever questioned why New York City is considered the greatest city in the world, all of these circumstances has really brought that to light. I'm really happy to be a part of it, fortunate to be a part of it, doing well. And, and in these times, you know, you just, you need to find ways to, um, to bring out the opportunities, as I would call it. It's not just, yeah. there's, obviously, it's not been a lot of positive or complete positive, right? But just opportunities. So what about you? I know, uh, I know Palo Alto is not exactly uh, New York City. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Palo Alto is actually really nice. I uh, go on a lot of walks. I adopted a dog. I used to uh, travel so much. I think last year I was, I did over 200,000 miles. So this year I've done like 15 at the beginning of the year. And it's quite amazing to actually build a routine. I actually had a follow-up on what you were saying earlier. You were mentioning that this is a time where sometimes both people and companies can find opportunity. Do you have some examples of how you've done this both in your professional life, personal life, maybe even how your company is doing this? I mean, if you look at my what I'm responsible for, mobile transformation and mobile strategy at Citibank, and then even... The prior companies, uh, as you mentioned, Experian, but even before that was with Intuit, TurboTax division. Financial services has, has is evolved. You know, part of my role and some of the things that I've been, let's say, talking about is the importance of providing mobility for our consumers. So it's not just about mobile, right? Because 
I think it was, what was it? it was the year of mobile 2017. It was the year of mobile 2018. Every year is the year of mobile. But it's really about an ingrained element of providing mobility for the consumer. And, you know, hey, I would never have wanted it to come this way, where a pandemic really brings it to light, at least for Citibank, where our consumers, they just physically can't go into the yeah. branch, even, even though we stayed open. And I'm very proud of the company for, for, for enabling that. You know, a lot of them couldn't or mentally weren't ready to do it. So it was, uh, it was our strategy and my team's element of coming to life there in terms of looking at that. So what we do in mobile and for any bank or for any company that has affected that was really there was to provide that mobility it was to provide that consumer with the ability to do what they need to in a banking situation on their phone and at home. So it really came to light then. That's awesome. So there must have actually probably been, you know, you guys probably had the mobile app, but there probably was a lot of work in getting adoption, informing your customers. As COVID hit, things changed very fast. How did you guys like adopt to that? Uh, that sounds like such a like interesting challenge, right? And I, and I think as I've talked to other people on the podcast, it's just really interesting how companies had to react very fast to the changes in the market and just the environment around us. Yeah, well, I would say that companies probably had to adopt that because they didn't inherently believe it for a while. Like that's why I bring up the example of the year of mobile going back four years, right? Yeah. Five years, whatever it is. So. I've been championing this and, and, and really communicating broadly. Not, I mean, I don't want to make this only about Citibank, right? Yeah. But this aspect of actually really living it, uh, it wasn't that extreme of a challenge for us because that's what I've been doing for the last three years here, building out our capabilities from an analytics component, um, from a tracking component, from a number of aspects of it to enable Again, to bring it back, mobility. So that's why I said, you know, it's unfortunate that a pandemic brought it out, but we were ready. That's and a consumer, let's call it that, was ready. Did we need to do extra communication? Absolutely, because every, you know, for any company, I don't care what the category is, your consumer is different. And their adoption of, let's call it emerging tech, is always different. But I would say from, from the company standpoint, from a philosophy standpoint, we were ready. That's awesome. So let's go back to you and your career. I think you've, uh, you've had an amazing career. Tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. You said you, were, uh, you grew up in San Diego. How did you get to New York? And you know, you, you know, we've mentioned Experian into it. How did your journey start? I know you've also worked for a startup, Upwork, right? Did you start a startup and then move to bigger companies? How has that transition uh, worked for you? It's, uh, have you ever seen the, the movie Slumdog Millionaire? Yes, one of my favorites. I've seen it twice. Yeah, I've probably seen it, yeah, at least twice, right? It won an Academy Award, but I think that would be a way to somewhat describe <laughs> what I do. Uh, in <laughs> fact, I, I, own the, I own the domain Slumdog Architect. No which way! Was supposed to be That's my nice. blog uh, years ago, but I didn't follow up on it. Maybe I'll continue, but... That's what, how I would describe a little bit of my journey. I truly believe that, and especially, I mean, again, it's weird how certain things come to fruition today, but I, I, I do think that the times we're in really expounds a little bit of the story I tell, which is if you let a life 
or a path that was completely straight and narrow and didn't look around, I just don't believe that equips you to fully succeed in the tomorrow. I studied law in undergrad, and I was very, very intrigued by the aspect of law to this day. I absolutely do think it is a really magnificent training of the mind, um, no matter what industry you go into. I was also really intrigued by entertainment. I actually had a, an on-air presence as well through college and whatnot. I love, you know, we're speaking and that stuff, so I was really intrigued by that. And then my parents came from a technology background. So my mother is the former chief information officer for Harvard University. My father, an Oracle exec, uh, now chief information officer for the city of San Diego. Let me know if you have any issues there while you're there in San Diego. <laughs> Good to know. So just, just at the dinner table, I, I grew to understand technology through osmosis. I don't think I mentioned my mom was a, was a senior lead at, at IBM. And then Siebel, you know, Siebel was really one of the early Silicon Valley companies. It was not a startup per se, but a tech company. So, I, you know, I had these different elements of it. I went to law school knowing that I would never be a lawyer. And this was in around 2007 where you had a company come out and it was this convergence of technology and media and entertainment. It was called YouTube, right? And I remember reading about that company and it's like, this is where I think a good convergence for me. I moved up to San Francisco. I continued my LSAT stuff. I did start law school. I did drop out because I was just convinced that this arena was going to accelerate. And you take three months or six months away and you know, let's call it the industry and we're now, that's like three years. Law school, it'll always be there. So from that point on, I've, yes, I've been a part of a number of startups some very unique ones. The first startup was a company called Jump TV. Jump TV was way ahead of its time. You know, we have Netflix, we have Hulu, Amazon Video today. Jump TV, we had acquired all of the online rights for television channels around the world in 2004. And the idea was to connect people and diasporas to their content, uh, homeland content. My next startup was Ustream, which if we see today how many people are going live, Ustream, which yeah. was sold to IBM, I was their first non-engineering uh, hire. What we did was we brought in the likes of some of the major agencies like William Morris at that time. And to see, you know, the work I was doing then was to help uh, you know, educate entertainment, athletes, the whole industry, what live meant. And to see what it's doing today, it's pretty exciting. But I think, you know, to culminate it, I definitely, I, I've had a unique path around it. And the reason I did, because as part of the startup, you saw inefficiencies. Yeah. One of my later startups, even after Ustream, was a company with Jason Calacanis, where you got to talk to big companies, Symantec. And they're like, well, you should talk to my agency. This sounds interesting. And then you talk to the agency, and they have no idea what's going on. And this was in about 2008, 2009, when you realize that the era of Mad Men was there. They didn't believe that social or mobile could change the grip that they had on these businesses. And then they realized, it. and they read a couple books like Shiv Singh's book, you know, Social 101 for Dummies or Social for Dummies and changed their title and still had those hundreds of millions that they were booking for the client. That's why I went into it. I had That's a awesome. real inner passion to kind of change that model. 
And, and the rest is kind of history. So it's just, it's just a very unique path. So at Intuit, you know, you help grow the mobile revenue by 4x, which I think is really awesome. And then you launched the first mobile app with experience. So, you know, you've been in mobile since the very beginning and had helped shift some of these large companies in kind of moving into mobile. How has your, how's your mobile strategy has changed over the years? And do you think it's an important channel for growth today for companies? I mean, we all, we all need to, to, to be evolving, right? Our strategies of course. As, as a leader, as any sort of, you know, worker, within a company or as a human, like we, it's always evolving, right? Um, but, you know, what I would say is uh, they haven't changed much for me, you know, my, my strategies. And it actually, I bring it up to it. The year of mobile, four years ago, <laughs> the next year, everything. And, and what that really tells you is, is that, especially for larger companies, and even not, they say one thing on the outside, right? Oh, mobile's growing, this is really interesting but they look at kind of their current business and current stream and understand where it's currently happening and the conversation gets a little bit diluted, right? And that is what I've observed the same at any company. Intuit is most respected company, one of the most respected yeah. companies in the world. So with Citibank, experience global presence, it doesn't change because of what I would call kind of DNA or muscle structure, meaning people within the company not only leadership, but like on the way down. And so a point I want to make is it hasn't changed a ton. It's been the same in terms of what I come in and do at these companies that it was from beginning at Intuit because it hasn't evolved. So it needs to evolve in this, you know, enormous time of, of change. I, I would hope that we see a number of, of more, not only leaders, but, you know, hires, of people that do not have the yeah. straightforward, rigid background. So I think that there's an opportunity there. What I would say, and again, don't get me wrong, strategies, like I said, I like the, I like the term evolve versus change. But what I would say is that the big thing is when I first started putting out mobile app strategy and campaigns back in you know 2010, I think you were finishing up your MBA, right? I hadn't even started. I finished my MBA in 2014. <laughs> I went pretty old. I was on the older side. <laughs> well, it was, but the, the whole point is, it's like 10 years ago, the yeah. company supported it. Intuit was like, they really understood the, like, yeah, 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 let's do it. But let's just do it to do it. Because mobile is growing, whatever. A hundred percent, yeah. It wasn't really like, oh, we're going to focus our efforts on this. Mobile is a little bit of an afterthought 10 years ago, I would say. Oh, absolutely. But what I would also say is that, it, you know, it's still somewhat of an afterthought, not an afterthought, but I think my point is, uh, in terms of your question really was around how, how strategy evolves, the fabric of your marketing tech stack, how you look at analytics, measurement, a true consumer view. I think that's where the evolution is for me, where in those days, you kind of had to kind of like, okay, well, we got the, the mobile aspect in, let's just set it and forget it. Let's not even have the discussion of like the marketing technology we're using yeah. to do that. Today, moving forward, I do think, and you know, Branch is a great example of that. We're seeing that across the board where a lot of companies, leaders, whatever, need to do a reevaluation of what that marketing tech stack looks like 
because what it looks like today in pretty much 99% of the companies are, you know, this kind of like desktop 1.0 world. And that's not going to work, the Adobe world. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. What's your like, let's say you went into a new company today, what would be like your mobile transformation playbook? What would be the first few steps you, you, you'd make? For others, there might be like hustling with like a, something similar, uh, especially when they work for bigger, larger companies. Well, I mean, l- let's say that did happen. The first thing is I would have done a lot of, edu- you know, through the interview or, you know, conversation process with senior leaders, I would have already done the education level around, hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking and this is where it's going and really having a broad conversation there around what, you know, my vision for it uh, and how it can help, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and I talked about it, DNA is critical and um, you have to hire the right people. The people that you need to hire, one needs to hire is, is personally people that do, again, look peripherally, who operate in a different way. You know, I've never seen value of showing up at an office nine to five, Monday through Friday. How does that guarantee productivity, passion, innovation, right? I said that from the start, not only at City, experience, everything. So people who can not only think and operate differently, but work in a flexible environment because it's all about the output and the connectivity we have in the thinking. So that would be number two. Number three is you bring everybody in. And what I mean by that is, you know, and especially from mobile, but, you know, I've led all of digital uh, at Experian. But even, you know, if you look at digital and you have different channels, you have SEO, organic search, you have a paid search, display is still in the market today, right? God knows how. You still need to bring everybody in. And I would do the same thing that I would have done with those CEOs prior to my hiring around the vision, how we'll be inclusive, how we'll think about these things, but also talk a little bit about the vision where we want to go. And we need everybody's help to do it. I think that is number three. And the last one is you have to have somebody that has the chops. I think it's so funny, like back, you know, talking to back when I first started, like in at Intuit, and you saw the birth of social media experts, I think, right? Yeah. They're like, I'm a social media expert. I charge this or whatever. You haven't done shit. <laughs> if you have gone into an organization and spread broadly, understand how you affect change, that's a whole different ballgame. And... To me, you really understand that when somebody is able to really talk the talk around it, that's the other big thing. So you bring everybody in, but they're also confident that this person not only wants to include us, but knows what he's talking about or she's talking about. That's great. That was awesome. I feel you could turn that into a blog post or a white paper or something. Yeah, I, I really truly believe that because I don't think a lot of people can say they've done it at the likes of the companies I have. But it's very, isn't it weird that it's really kind of the simple value? Besides knowing your craft, it's also the simple values of let's be inclusive here. Yeah. And everybody can help us. I think people really lose sight of that. That's really cool. And like, as you think about the, you know, the transformations that you've done, 
What is like one feature or campaign that you've done that you are very proud of, that you think drove a lot of growth or, or a lot of retention? Do you have like a story around, uh, around a feature or a campaign? Well, I, I think one thing that I'll definitely always be appreciative of is, you know, when I was at, uh, at TurboTax, which, you know, is a tax filing software, you know, up until that point, this is 2010, the ability to file your taxes within the TurboTax product was just, you know, you need to log in on your, your, your laptop or your desktop computer and file them that way. And, you know, I wasn't on the product side, but was very involved with our product team about a product they wanted to bring out, which was called SnapTax. So this product was a mobile technology and it leveraged OCR technology, which mm. is meaning, you know, you can take a photo of something and scan, you know, not like you see check deposit today, right? Yeah. This particular product, which was take, so it was for simple filers, right? So folks have a basic kind of W-2, nothing big needed. You could literally take a picture of your W-2 form and upload it into the system and you're filed your taxes within about maybe three minutes. And that changed the entire, again, if you look at the time period, Check deposit hadn't even really come out, I think, until that, you know, at that point. But it changed the game of what the product portfolio looked like for, for Intuit. It changed a big time around who the consumer looked like for Intuit. So uh, I would say that that was, that, was, that was pretty cool because that is pretty game-changing. Yeah. I mean, I used TurboTax for years. This was why, uh, until like very recently, when I start, things started getting complicated, I started investing on the side, and but uh, you know, for like fifteen years, I used TurboTax. It's a it's a pretty incredible product. That's awesome. I think that's a great story. So just making something very simple can kind of like making things very simple for the user can really kind of change and, and help people so much market. And I think they did a very good job with that, and you were part of that. So that, that's really awesome. What do you think are some like interesting trends that you're seeing in mobile? And we can focus on mobile banking, we can go broader. You mentioned obviously that the acceleration and adoption because of COVID and because of um, a shelter in place. Anything else that you've noticed that might be interesting to our listeners? The piece around COVID was more so that we were ready for what the customer needed. I don't think that the, you know, the adoption is, is fully there based on who the consumer is, depending on the company. You know, if, if you look at just the finance category, it's pretty mind-blowing. I mean, you look at, I think, over the last three years, and I, and I can speak globally. I mean, I think App Annie, you know, shout out to them. They do a fantastic job of really giving an idea of, of data and insights across the mobile landscape. Um, if you look at just, let's call it, not only downloads, but just consumer sessions, you know, user sessions across the world within, let's go at a macro level, just finance apps, up significantly in 2020. And I don't, uh, the report actually was put out prior to, to COVID really coming to fruition. So it's, it's just a natural trend of them not only getting educated about what's available to them, but again, that, that concept I talked to you about of, of mobility because they want it. If you look at it from just a banking standpoint and just broad downloads and everything around that, it's just cons- uh, you know, trending up. It's it's just like on the technology we're using today, right? That, that a lot of your average consumer know about Zoom prior to March? Not really. 
but things happen and they start to understand more about what's happened, what they can do and everything around it. I think it's the same thing within the finance category, which is really interesting. And it's the right thing because what I've learned in the finance category um, within focus groups and research and insights is I've been across tax. I've been across credit with experience yeah. now. You've seen the whole spectrum. But it's, it's really intimidating. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It's stressful. I don't care who you are. Taxes, you know, nobody has everything they need to do it right completely. Yeah. And so sometimes that's pretty overwhelming walking into a place. But if you can sit at home or wherever you are and an app can kind of guide you through it a little bit more, it's a big deal. And so I think that would be an example I did. I mean, Experian is the greatest example. I don't know if you have our Experian app. I was blessed to work with I, Jeremy Wasser. I think he's one of the brilliant talents within, I would say, mobile design and product. You know, he actually didn't come from, you know, the finance-specific category. He came from, from the gaming space. <laughs> and what he did for Experian, you know, they, just, they, were, they were just announced, you know, I think top five, you know, breakthrough apps in the finance category which is really cool because that's the work we put in a few years ago, right? But if you think about a credit report three years ago, it is, I mean, what the hell is on this thing? What does any of this mean? Whether you get it digitally or, or seeing it on paper. And so he just reimagined that whole thing to really make it about the consumer. And I help you very quickly understand where you stand. It's called the credit wheel where you understand, okay, let me spend this. Okay, this is what's taking up that. So that is an example of how I think once consumers just get their hands on that or just are educated more around it, I think you'll see even more growth. But I think within the finance category specifically, amazing adoption. I mean, a lot of the startups and fintechs in the space, specifically within payments, are doing quite well. I don't think the traditional banks are doing as well as they need to. Uh, but credit to the consumer, they're getting their education. They're like, oh, I heard of, you know, so-and-so, uh, Stash or, or Robinhood or all these things. I think this could work. So I think it's a good thing for the marketplace. What is your thought on, I mean, there's a lot of emerging banks around the world. I went or I met with some of them. I met the new bank founders. And what do you think about this trend and this idea that like they really they really are starting mobile first and they're starting from a different perspective, but they obviously have to like go, especially in, in, in more established places like the US, they haven't made as much headway because people look at trusted brands like you guys uh, and you have also adopted a lot and changed on mobile. But what are your kind of thoughts on how the banking ecosystem is evolving? I think it's great. I think it's needed. I think it's, you know, the consumer... At the end of the day, and New Bank's a great example, they, their mission is not about how they can grow revenue year over year or this or that, which, you know, to be granted, you know, and I'm not faulting like a Citibank or a, or a Chase or a Barclays at this point. It, these are big institutions that, hey, you, you've got to manage around it, right? But what I like about the New Banks of the world is they're saying, listen, our, our, the values of our a potential customer and their needs and what makes their lives better is changing. And the traditional banks and no, no detriment to them, they can't just, you know, it's like a big tanker trying to, you know, shift. It can't happen that quickly. Right. So that's why you need a, a new bank. So I, I think a, 
I love the, the fact that they're coming from values first, people first around their mission. And absolutely, in a time like today, and I hate to say it where a pandemic can, can be whatever, but, you know, look at it. If you were a mobile first company, did, did a lot change for you in terms of having the ability to maneuver and, and be agile around how you needed to yeah. kind of adjust? Probably not. I'm pretty sure it didn't. There were modifications need to be made, but how you do it, was in a contained ecosystem that you knew was always there and could really deliver on. So um, I do think the mobile force strategy and, you know, post COVID, I mean, we've already seen so many mobile force companies come to light. I think you're going to see, you know, more of it. Uh, and especially within, especially with not only just the, the companies, but the backend technologies that are enabling these things are, are, are going to come to light more. That's great. You've had a great career. You've, you have, you know, mobile really well. But how did you get here? What advice do you have? How did you learn? What are some like resources that you'd, uh, you'd suggest for others, whether it's seeking mentorship or specific books or piece of material? What do you think is the best way to learn? And why, what road have you taken to get to where you are from that perspective? I wouldn't say I've had a great career. Uh, I've had a unique career. I, I enjoy like the, the path that I've had. So I want to say that because, you know, everybody has different, you know, measures of, of success or whatever. Yeah. I mean, going back to the Slumdog Millionaire piece, I think it is so important to be present with what is around you and what could be around you. Meaning to just, you know, you may have a vision of, you know, where you would like to end up, whatever. But in my mind, and ironically, even back when I was starting out, but it's more importantly today, it's what is around you and what is influencing not only you, but the others around you that is going to help you get there. You know, everybody's different. I absolutely support the aspect of mentorship. I feel like I've had a mentor or mentors through every step, but it doesn't need to be within your category to be, different people who can help you, what I would say, flex different muscles, you know, and it's helpful to have in this time. And I think when we leave, you know, mental health is real. And I think, you know, if we look at, you know, so my sister, you know, she's just finished up at, she's a child psychiatrist, a big advocate within mental health, leads, you know, Harvard's global mental health. It's a category or element where people were like, they were afraid to even say, oh, I, I see a therapist or I saw a therapist. There was a time in our history where that was not something you say. And, yeah, and I bring totally. that up because a mentor helps you talk. You can talk yeah. things out, just have the discussion. And that's what I'm saying. I have discussions with mentors that have nothing to do with the digital space, right? But that's okay, right? It helps yeah. me think differently. And I have some with whatever. So I definitely think the mentor piece around it is 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 important everybody is different so just i guess just be thoughtful around it like even if you don't think you need it but what i would say again kind of look around who, who are yeah. the folks that you think could contribute to your growth you know regardless of your profession yeah that's great advice kind of seeking for mentors not just in your profession and you know I have a therapist and I feel like she's helped me a lot. But you're right. I have been in the past apprehensive about admitting it, but now it's live on air. So Yeah, oh, hey, I, I have a therapist as well. I mean, people should be proud to, to say that they are seeking that help from them. And the, the, the human mind was not designed to help 
that's what people don't realize. It's yeah. so complex and intricate that it was not designed to help you. So having discussion, whether it's a mentor or a therapist, whatever it is, I think helps. Cool. Well, uh, we're going to end with two silly questions to get to know you better. And we ask these on every podcast. So the first question is, if you had to delete all the apps you had on your phone and you could only keep one, what would you pick? I would go with Duo. This is fascinating. So Google launched Duo in 2016-ish or whatever. I was an initial tester of it. So Apple takes a very closed stance, right? So I said yeah. to be accepting, bring everybody in. FaceTime is very closed. It if does. you're like me and the rest of your family is Apple users, which I will never be, and I'm an Android, I can't FaceTime. So Google has quietly launched Duo. And it's um, already on any Android device, but any iPhone user can easily download it. And if you look at it and how the product has enhanced, I mean, the, the future really and the importance really is, is connectivity. So, you know, you look at Zoom, we schedule a meeting, and you can do start a meeting on demand, but yeah. Duo enables you to literally strike up a conversation, the equivalent of calling you, Mata, but we'll do it over phone. Or I can leave you a voice message, but now a video message. I think it's powerful. I've, I've kind of encouraged my family. So now we t when we talk, they're like, hey, do you want to do it? We don't like, hey, you want to catch up? You want to do it? Wow, that's cool. So that would be my, uh, that would be the one I have, yeah. And then how about an unlikely app you have on your phone? Something that like someone who knew you well would be like, oh, interesting. I wouldn't have expected this. It would be Power Editor. What Power Editor is, is an app. It's not operating system agnostic, but it puts the ability to, to edit at a, at a pretty significant level, video, basically produce video on your phone. Got it. I personally feel that the advertising industry is going to significantly change. When people realize that they can put out high quality commercials or video on their phone, on their own, and it's their own thing, uh, I think it's going to significantly alter what I mentioned, that madman era that still exists. So during this time, and we're all you know, building ourselves and, and trying to grow in unique ways while we have this time, that's one of the yeah. things I've been doing is I've been mastering the aspect of, you know, not only creating content, but creating it in a very professional manner, because it's one thing I'm going to champion for moving forward. I do think that... One thing I've, I've always believed is that why do you need an advertising agency when my friend has a great vision and, and you have now phones with the quality of video they do? Yeah. Why do you need it? The message is so germane there already. That's great. Well, I have somebody who's just going to fake it. So, yeah, Power Editor would be my... Uh... I'm going to download it. I've been using the Adobe tool because I, I do this branch in the wild videos where I like, find companies using branch and I take a little video and I talk about it. Oh, nice, yeah. Uh, and I've, I've been editing them on my phone, but I did it with like, I think it was, it was an Adobe app. Um, they kind of came with my Adobe thing. So it, it was good, but this is, I'm definitely going to check this out, so... This was awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel uh, I learned a lot and super cool. Thank you. Thanks, Mara. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this and share with someone trying to grow their career. Until next time, keep growing. <laughs>